Today on Graceful Truth, as we continue our series, Old Testament Examples of Prayer. To pray by faith for God to fulfill His promises, we must be obedient to God's difficult command. We can't just assume that we can do whatever we want, and then we go to our God by grace and pray and expect Him to answer our prayer. If you can't pray by faith for God to fulfill His promises by being obedient to God's commands, the prayers are not going to be answered. Pastor Steve Converse with Graceful Truth, coming up next. Thanking the Lord for our dinner is one thing, but asking Him to do something He's promised He'll do, even though it seems impossible, that can be a challenge. Welcome to Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We're continuing our series, Old Testament Examples of Prayer, and we're here in Jeremiah. Join us for a marvelous look at a marvelous prayer. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Turn over in your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah 32. Today I want to speak to you about the man who bought property in a war zone. <laughs> and the prayer and the communication he had with God concerning this decision. I suppose if a real estate agent called you and said, hey, I have a $10 million property available to you, and it's kind of a resort. It has a hotel and cottages and everything. It's just beautiful. And uh, it's worth about $10 million. The property is several acres and I'm going to let you have it for 10000 Sounds like a pretty good deal. By the way, it's over in the foothills of Afghanistan, <laughs> in the middle of a war zone. Um, you might rethink actually purchasing that property because it's probably not the best investment that you would be able to make to buy a piece of property that's already controlled um, by the enemy of our own country. And uh, that would just be a, a silly decision to make. Yet that's exactly what God asked Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, to do. Um, to put things in perspective just a little bit here, you have to remember that Jerusalem was under siege uh, by the Chaldeans. They were under attack. They were literally up against the wall of the city. And they had their, um, their, their ramps ready to go. They were ready to invade and overthrow. And Jeremiah basically was in prison during this time. And the reason he was in prison was simply because he had been preaching a message that God told him to preach. And the message was basically the, the nation was going to fall to the enemy and that the king would be taken captive and that God wanted them to surrender. I mean, can you imagine such a thing? I mean, that would be like President Bush standing up on that pile of rubber, rubble as he did after 9-11 and say pretty soon the men that tore down these buildings will hear from us. And then the next day someone within the government says, you know what, has a speech and says, you know, we're just going to basically give up. We're going to just uh, surrender to the enemy because they're going to take over and uh, we're going to be ruled by the Taliban from now on, the, the, uh, all those folks, and Al-Qaeda. And, and, and so let's just give up. I mean, that person would probably be brought up on charges if they were part of the government. Well, that's exactly what Jeremiah was doing. That's exactly what the situation was. And the king had a real uh, problem with him. And while he was in prison, with the sound of the enemy army coming up against the, the city walls, God told him to purchase a piece of property in Anathoth, which is already under the enemy control. And 
We don't know what his relatives' motives were in selling him this other than, hey, you know what, Jeremiah, you're you're the oldest. You have the right to buy it. Why don't you buy it from me so I don't have to deal with this enemy-held property any longer? I want to unload it. I want some cash. I'm going to cash out. And so God told him to actually purchase this land and to go through the proper legal proceedings. We're going to read about that. And as a prophetic drama, really, to emphasize that God would keep his gracious promise of restoring the land to Israel. So look at Jeremiah chapter 32, and this is where the, the text in which it, it happens in. And we're just going to read uh, part of this this morning. But Jeremiah 32, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the... The word, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, was... W- which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, has, had imprisoned him, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the land of the Chaldeans, out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye." He shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you, f- you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anath, Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, buy my field, which is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that it was the word of the Lord. Verse 9, and I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. And I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of (laughs) Masiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase." And in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Baruch in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in earthenware vessel, that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, is it you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm? Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers of their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruits, the fruit of his deeds. 
You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as at this day. You bought your people, brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and outstretched arm and with great terror. Verse 22, and you gave them this land when you swore to the father's to their fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it. But they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege of mounds has come up to the city to take it. And because of sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hands of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass, and behold, you see it. Yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, Buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hands of the Chaldeans, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. The Chaldeans who are fighting against the city shall come out and set this city on fire and burn it with the houses of those whose roofs offerings have been made to Baal and drink offerings have been poured out to other gods to provoke me to anger. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done nothing but evil in my sight from their youth. The children of Israel have done nothing but provoke me to anger by the work of their hands, declares the Lord. The city has aroused my anger and wrath, and from the day it was built to this day, so that I will remove it from my sight, because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah that they did to provoke me to anger. Their kings and their officials, their priests and their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they have turned to me their back and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. They set up their abominations in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They built the high places to Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech, though I did not command them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now, that's a story that is very interesting for various reasons. The first thing we see here is that God told Jeremiah to preach against these uh, against Jerusalem, uh, telling the people that the enemy was going to just overrun them, and that just didn't uh, go well with the king. And so the king basically threw him in prison. And you look at the message that Jeremiah was told to preach. It was a difficult message. It was something that was hard. It was it was hard for him to preach, I'm sure, and it was hard for the people to hear and understand. What is he talking about? You know, where's the victory chant? You know, where's, where's, you know, we're down here, but we're not overthrown yet. We're just going to throw in the towel, Jeremiah? And yet he did exactly what God instructed him to do. See, the principle here is very simple. God never calls his prophets or pastors or teachers or whatever to simply give upbeat messages each Sunday so that everybody can go away feeling warm and cozy. That's not the purpose of coming to church. You don't come to church because you had a tough week and you're looking for a shot in the arm to get you through the next week. If that's your purpose, it's misguided. 
You come to church, hopefully, to praise and worship the Lord and Savior, or God, our Creator. You come to, to church to hopefully communicate with God in corporate prayer with other believers. You come to church, hopefully, to give of your tithes and offerings into the house of God to further the ministry and work of the Lord through the missionaries we support, through the local ministry here. You come to church on a weekly basis, hopefully, to serve the Lord God who so graciously saved you. You come to be edified and built up and taught in his word. Now, if you go away feeling well, that's great. But sometimes you may not. And frankly, neither do I. Sometimes it's hard to come into this place and preach a message that is going to be difficult to hear. And that's why we preach through the Bible. See, I don't have the luxury of picking and choosing each week what I want to teach. Now, we're doing a little series on prayer, so these four messages here are kind of topical. So I have that luxury there. But usually we're in a book. And when we're in a book, I can't just come to a hard verse and say, ah, you know what, that speaks of something that's going to be offensive. I think we're just going to kind of go over that and we'll move on. We can't do that if we're committed to the authority, the inerrancy, and the power of the Word of God. And so Jeremiah was told to preach against Jerusalem. And unfortunately, today in our modern evangelical church, it seems like they're more interested in, in uh, following the marketing antics of market, you know, uh, marketplace antics that, that show them how they can have more people and, and a better ministry, those kind of things. And so they're always looking how to please the customer. You hear some churches today that say, you know, we're a church for the unchurched. And I just scratch my head at that and go, what in the world is that? How can you have a church that's made up of believers of the Lord Jesus Christ and his committed followers? That's what the church is by definition. How can you have a church made up of unbelievers? You can't. You can't have a church for the unchurched. It doesn't make any sense biblically. And yet that's what a lot of ministries are doing today. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you come to marriage and you come to two people of the same sex wanting to be married. Well, that's not what marriage is. So what they have to do? They have to redefine marriage. And that's what the modern church has done to the word church. They've redefined the church. It's no longer just a gathering of believers on, a, on the first day of the week to, to worship and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's a gathering of people for social reasons and some spiritual reasons, but it's mostly social to connect and to network and to get together and to, to get to know people. And so you see the emphasis of some of some ministries, is, is it's all drama, it's all music, it's plays, it's this and that. All those things may be good things. But then they kind of slip in the teaching of the Bible, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Poor pastor has 10 or 15 minutes to share something at the end or in the middle with all the light shows and fog and everything else going on. And you just have a tendency to get lost. The Word of God gets lost. We never want that to happen. Even though sometimes it's hard to hear It's hard to hear the truth sometimes. It's difficult. And so we see here the first kind of thing. It's the the overall lesson here is by faith we must pray for God graciously to fulfill his promises no matter how bleak the situation. We really have to intercede and ask God to fulfill his promises no matter what's going on on the horizon. And that's what Jeremiah did. He held God to his promises. He had to be obedient to this difficult command. And that's the first lesson here. To pray by faith for God to fulfill his promises, we must be obedient to God's difficult command. We can't just assume that we can do whatever we want and then we go to our God by grace and pray and expect him to answer our prayers. If you can't pray by faith for God to fulfill his promises by being obedient to God's 
commands, the prayers are not going to be answered, beloved. It'd be like a, uh, a single person praying, you know, Lord, just send me, send me a godly mate. Send me a godly mate, somebody that, that really loves the Lord. Well, you know what? You can't pray by faith for a godly mate unless you're willing to be growing in godliness yourself. If you're married, you can't pray by faith for God to heal and bless and restore your marriage unless you're living in obedience to His Word. For us husbands, we need to love our wives sacrificially. For the wives, you need to be willing to submit to your, your, your husband's spiritual leadership in the home. Those are difficult things. Those are hard words to hear, but that's what is required. So many times we don't want to do those things, but we ask, God, oh, bless my relationship with my wife. And then we go on and do whatever we want to do. Well, that's not going to fly. God's not going to bless that. You can't pray by faith that God would somehow supernaturally bless your children as they grow up. If you're not modeling a godly life and a godly marriage before them each day and you're not consistently seeking to train them in the ways of the Lord. Andrew read a wonderful passage this morning out of Deuteronomy. That's the whole principle there. The things that we know to be true in the Word of God, we need to pass those on to our children. And you know what? I'm encouraged to be in a church where I have the little young people coming up occasionally and they'll be reciting verses. They'll be telling Bible stories. They'll be telling things that they learned downstairs or in their Christian school or whatever. That's so encouraging. Because you don't get that in today's world. The parents are doing the right thing so they can pray by faith, God bless my children, because they're doing the hard things. They're being willing to take that difficult stand. Or maybe we're praying for our missionaries or even the work of this local church here in this community. You know what? That's great. I mean, we we covet your prayers. We want you to pray. But you know what? If you're not obeying God by by giving both your time, your, your resources, your money to the work of the Lord, then that's not a prayer of faith. I mean, we want God to build his church, don't we? Don't we? Amen? That'd be a good place for an amen. Hello, is anybody awake out there? I'll turn down the thermostat a little more. Get a little chilly in here so you don't fall asleep. But see, we've, we've thrown that out the door and we've said, well, let's just have a place where, you know, we can get together and occasionally, you know, eat some food together and fellowship. See, unless we're willing to live out these difficult commands that God gives us, beloved, our prayers really fall on deaf ears. It says there, God told Jeremiah to preach against Jerusalem in your outline there. That was a difficult thing for him to do. God also told Jeremiah to buy a field that's under enemy control. That makes no logical sense whatsoever. And to pray by faith, Jeremiah had to be obedient to, first of all, bring that message and then bear the consequences of his message. You know, some of you young people, you know, when you stand up for Christ, what's going to happen? You're going to be made fun of. Your, your, your friends are not going to, they're going to mock you. That's just the way it is. Get used to it. I mean, don't try to appease them. We must be obedient to God's difficult commands before he will bless us and answer our prayers. Now, the world, unfortunately, looks at things from a totally different perspective. When you go out into the beautiful creation that God has put before us. Hopefully, as a believer, you can sit back and you can look at what God has created. And you can say, wow, this is incredible. This is just amazing. You go up to Yosemite. I know there's fires going on up there right now. But you go up there and you look and you just see, wow, this is at the hand of God. And it's just a, a really incredible thing. But you know what? The world doesn't look at that. They go up there and say, oh, look at, look at This took billions and billions of years for everything to erode. And over billions and billions of years, finally, we're the result of all this. 
They don't have any answer when you up in Yosemite and you see a, a bald eagle or a hawk or something soaring and you see them go down and snatch that rodent that they eat. See, they, they have a problem when it, when it comes to evolution with that because it seems that the birds were before the little rodents. So the birds wouldn't have survived because they wouldn't have had any eat. See, in their timeline, that's how it worked out. Or you take another example of the great horned owl, an owl that is just a magnificent part of God's creation. My little granddaughter, Gabby, loves owls for some reason. I don't know why, but she loves owls. And the great horned owl is a huge bird. But you know what? Sometimes if you're, if you're close to a bird when they take off, you know, you hear their wings flapping. If you've ever been to the beach and you hear a bunch of... With the great horned owl, you don't hear nothing. It's total stealth. They can fly right by you, flapping. You don't even hear it. And the reason is, is because on the, on the forward front of their wings, God has put these super soft, downy feathers to cushion the sound so they can swoop down on their prey and totally undetected snag it. Their eyes are said to be 100 times more sensitive to light than human eyes, which allows them to be out at night under just starlight. You don't even have to have a moon out, just starlight. And they can see things that we could never see. Another thing that's interesting with the, the great horned owl is that The owl's left ear is about an inch lower than the right ear. It's made that way by God. You say, well, why is that? Because it's able by its brain to understand that those sounds are coming at him at a certain rate and and it reaches the one ear a little quicker than the other ear. And just by the brain does the math somehow and it enables that owl to be able to zero in exactly where that sound is coming from. They also have those big eyes, great big eyes. They're not just eyes. They're, they're really receivers. They serve as like a big dish antenna, you might say. And they, they, they're there to collect sound. You say, wait a minute, they, they, they hear with their eyes? Yeah, they do. They have these transient sound tunnels that go from their eyes to their ears. And they just, their eyes are made in such a way that it just like picks up the sound. And when that bird swallows its prey, by the way, they swallow their prey whole usually. Their stomach provides these incredible, powerful acids that just mutilate the flesh and just dissolve it. But it doesn't dissolve the fur, the teeth, or the bones. And you say, well, what's he do with that? Basically, what happens with the the teeth and the bones is that it, it has this function, this part of the stomach that is able to have this special muscle that takes all that leftover stuff and it compacts it tightly into this little pellet. And then it has a certain gland in the owl's throat that coats the pellet with mucus and enables the owl just to be able to spit it back out. Just amazing. That's the work of God. Now, you can look at that and go, well, that just happened by chance. You know, I don't think the owl would have survived, you know, one swallow of bones and stuff. If this all would have happened by chance, he would have tore his esophagus apart. It wouldn't have happened. God created him that way. And we can look at multiple examples of God's design. But see, the, the world doesn't look at it that way. They, the Bible says that they, they kind of put the truth aside. And even though God has given them the witness of his creation and the witness of our conscience, why do you think it's wrong for somebody to go out and kill another person? I mean, why do you think that's wrong? Because God has put that in our hearts. He's put that in our conscience. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come out and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children through grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, give us a call at the Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, 
650-366-9923. Or visit our website, gracefultruth.org. And now, to close out our time together, once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. Thanks, Andy. I'd just like to share a few brief thoughts with our listening audience concerning some upcoming events here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City. Most people are familiar with American pastor Zaid Abedini, who is being held in an Iranian prison due to his faith in Christ. We will be hosting Pastor Zaid's wife, Nagme, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., where she'll be sharing her testimony of how her and her children are getting through this tremendous ordeal and how God continues to work in spite of her husband's persecution and imprisonment. Coming to Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, on Saturday, November 16th at 10 a.m., that's Nagme Abedini, Pastor Zaid's wife, to share her testimony. Well, once again, we want to thank you for listening to Graceful Truth each weekend, and it would be a wonderful encouragement to us to hear from you about how this program has been a blessing to your hearts. Please contact us on the web at gracefultruth.org, that's gracefultruth.org, or simply call us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Well, thank you, Steve. And again, friend, we would love to hear from you. Again, the ways you can contact us, we have a couple three. First, our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, 650-366-9923. As always, you're welcome to write to us at Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's here in Redwood City. And our zip code is 94061. Of course, everything that Pastor Steve mentioned a moment ago can be found on our website, gracefultruth.org. Again, you can get to us at gracefultruth.org. And when you stop by our website, drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. So take a moment and write when you stop by gracefultruth.org or simply call us at 650-366-9923. Our thanks to you for joining us today, and until next week at this same time, God bless. Bless.